0: Texas has rehired former Longhorns quarterback Vince Young as a special assistant in the athletic department this after he was fired in 2019. Previously, Young was a full-time development officer in the school's Division of Diversity and Community Engagement, but was eventually let go after poor performance and often being absent from work. But how about another reunion? After making a college football video game in 2013, EA Sports will be back in the business, EA Sports College Football. They partnered with collegiate licensing company CLC to make it possible player names and likenesses will not be included, at least not. Right now, happy to have you with us for College Football Live alongside Tom Luganville and Greg McElroy. I'm Wendy Nix. One of the marquee programs in the offseason, of course, is the Senior Bowl, a time for players to showcase their talent for the next level. And after the fact, we often look at whose stock improved. And that's where we'll start, Luke. Who made a name for themselves after the Senior Bowl?
1: I was really impressed throughout the week with Trey Brown, the Oklahoma defensive back, the corner. Now, He's undersized. He's only about five foot nine. So he's going to come off of a lot of people's boards for that reason only. But when you watch the one on one clips, it didn't matter who he matched up against. It didn't matter how big they were. I think one of the things you look at with smaller corners is how do they compete when they've got to contest bigger targets? Do they make plays? Can they elevate can they time their jumps? He had a really nice season this past fall, and I think he capped it off and, and really changed maybe some perceptions of him as a perimeter player that not only can play on the inside, but maybe could survive a little bit on the outside.
2: Greg, yeah, he about was about really you, Nicole, impressive, and I thought it fared really well. Yeah, I think it was Michael Carter from North Carolina, Wendy, and I, I've been so impressed with this guy for a long time. In North Carolina, oftentimes the passing game, because of Sam Howell and the talented wide receivers – They went kind of above and beyond to make sure that everyone knew about him. However, that one-two punch at running back between him and Javante Williams, as the season went along, you realize that's actually the strength of North Carolina's team. Not only is Carter built... The way you want a running back to be built, about 5'10", 5'11", 200, 205 pounds. But he's really versatile. The guy can run between the tackles. He has great speed on the perimeter. And as he proved in the game and throughout the course of the week, he can be a factor in the passing game. So he's kind of the perfect mold for this year's version of Clyde Edwards E. It wouldn't shock me if he went on day two. And I think whoever gets him will have one heck of a running back to lean on for the next few years.
0: Well, we know there are two sides to every coin. In this case, uh, Luke's look, it's just one showing, but who fell short of expectations?
1: I I think Jamie Newman, the quarterback, made a a real error in deciding to opt out. I I, I think he was rusty. Um, He lacked those necessary reps that I think could have been so critical to his further development. Greg and I got to see him a year ago in 2019, really liked him going into the game, liked him even more coming out of that game, and then he decides not to play. I think he was erratic from an accuracy standpoint, from a present standpoint throughout the week. Uh, we know he's got an intriguing skill set, and there's a lot to like about him physically, but I don't know if he helped himself by being absent this fall, and it showed throughout the week leading up to the game.
0: Greg, do you agree? Are there particular challenges to the opt-out, which we know was a factor in this COVID-related season?
2: I just don't know how you can go into the most important week of your life as far as an evaluation standpoint having not done anything for the better part of the last six months. Jamie Newman basically went into the first week of fall camp when everyone's knocking the rust off, at quarterback especially. All of a sudden, live bullets start flying, and the likelihood of him being drafted extremely high almost depended exclusively on his performance in Mobile. So I think anyone that opted out last week, they were operating with one hand tied behind their back. You can even tell some... Of the guys that didn't participate in bowl games some of those guys those team maybe their team opted out or they opted out individually from the bowl games even those guys maybe struggled just a little bit as compared to the guys that played a game or two in the final month of the 2020 calendar year or the early part of 2021 so i think the opt-outs are are very difficult i think to knock off some of that rust and as a result some of the guys who did face that decision at the beginning of the season and in the bowl season, you could kind of tell as they went throughout the week in Mobile.
0: There's no question it poses a particular challenge. Uh, Part of the offseason as well, of course, National Signing Day, and that is coming up tomorrow as these players move on to their NFL careers. College football will be infused with new lifeblood as well. Let's look at some of the marquee programs and what they'll be missing. Uh, Alabama fresh off a national title, they'll have to fill some holes, highlighted by Heisman Trophy winner Devontae Smith, also quarterback Mac Jones though, running back Najee Harris and wide receiver Jalen Waddell, just to name a few. Now the team that fell to Alabama in the national title game, that's Ohio State, they will have several spots to fill as well. Among the key names leaving Columbus, quarterback Justin Fields, linebacker Justin Hilliard, and cornerback Sean Wade. Alabama, by the way, looking for its seventh number one class in the 16-year history of the ESPN 300, but they are not the only SEC team with a strong recruiting class. The conference has two other teams currently in the top five, Georgia and LSU. The Buckeyes currently have the second-rated class. Uh, listen, though, it's a little bit of a different deal this time around, Luke. Uh We've we've seen some 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 names already and know where they're headed.
1: Yeah, you know, it, it may be fairly uneventful. I mean, the reality is for us, you know, we have 13 five-stars, 12 of them are already signed, 24 of the top 25 overall players in ESPN 300 already signed, including 45 of the top 50 and 93 of the top 100. Now, outside of the ESPN 300, There are 118 players that we have ranked as a four-star, high-profile player, but maybe they don't get as talked about as much as, say, some of those those remaining 15 or so guys that have yet to commit that are expected to be signing uh, on Wednesday. So, you know, most of the hay is in the barn for a lot of these programs, and they've moved on to evaluating the 2022 class and are just putting the final touches on here. And a lot of these programs are making decisions on what to do with their scholarships. Because, again, you've got the extra year of eligibility afforded to everybody. You've got to decide, all right, well, where are we going to put those spots? Are they going to be at the high school level? Are they going to be at the junior college level? Are they going to be through the transfer portal? Lots of decisions to be made before you head off into the spring.
0: Greg, what do you see uh, in terms of the way universities approach this now that we do have the early signing day? How does that affect the process?
2: It's barely a blip on the radar. This used to be a college football holiday. The first Wednesday in February, we all circled it. We all loved the offseason banter about, well, my recruiting class is better than your recruiting class, and Luganbill doesn't know anything because the ESPN 300 looks nothing like any of the other publications, right? That was kind of the constant banter, but that's no longer the case, and I don't like it personally yeah. as someone that has grown up watching the NFL. The NFL has done a remarkably good job of creating interest in their product year-round. And with us moving signing day from the beginning of February all the way into the middle of December when there's still the coaching carousel, when teams are still preparing for bowl games, It means that we essentially don't talk enough about college football from the national championship game until media days. That's six months in which we're barely talking about the sport that is the second most popular sport in America. So I don't like it at all because I thought signing day gave us something to look forward to. And now, like Luke's alluded to, not a lot of people will be paying attention tomorrow, given the fact that all these signing classes are, for the most part, ironed out.
0: Yeah, you know what, guys, you're absolutely right. I remember that day in December when we were, you know, we had we even had a player or two declare on College Football Live, but it got, we were, we were in the middle of games and all kind of other things, yeah. and it almost just got swept under the rug like, oh yeah, there's that, and let's move on. Uh, let's move on now, because we've got plenty to get to here on College Football Live, uh, including some coaching carousel news. Uh, there's a new head man on Rocky Top, but... Realistic expectations for Volunteer Nation. Have things changed at all in terms of Tennessee? And Jim Harbaugh has signed to stay on in Ann Arbor, but will he ever get those Wolverines over the top in the Big Ten? We'll take that up next on College Football Live. USC has a new head coach. The Vols named former UCF head coach Josh Heupel as their new head man last week. The university had been moving quickly to find a replacement for Jeremy Pruitt. He was fired for cause in January after an investigation that uncovered what was called serious violations of NCAA rules. So Heupel was 28-8. and eight. As UCF's head coach, that included a 12-1 and record in his first season with the Knights. He served as offensive coordinator at Missouri and Utah State and was groomed under Bob Stoops on the Oklahoma staff as a player. He helped lead Oklahoma to the national championship in 2000 and was the Heisman Trophy runner-up that season as well. Uh, listen, it's been a revolving door in a lot of ways since Philip Fulmer. Greg, I think this is number six, but what, what do you make of the hype hire?
2: Well, Heupel would have been on my short list of candidates for sure, given the fact that he has a familiarity with their new athletic director and, of course, has a pedigree, having been in the SEC calling plays for an explosive offense. He would not have been my number one choice. My number one choice would have been Buffalo's Lance Leipold because he has built a program from scratch. What Josh Heupel did at UCF, albeit impressive and having gone to a New Year's Six game a couple years ago, It's kind of gone downhill ever since he's been at the the helm for UCF. So that's been the problem. He inherited a program, and it's not in better position today than when it was when he got it. So it doesn't necessarily mean, however, that he will fail at Tennessee. I think he's going to do a good job. He's going to be intriguing with the style of offense they're going to run. It's going to be a fun watch for the fans that have been very, very outspoken about their disappointment with where the program's at right now. So given the the circumstances, the sanctions as well, Tom, I think that it makes sense that they went in this direction. And I think it probably is the best they could do at the moment.
1: Well, and they may not have had many choices. I totally agree with you on Lance Leipold. I think what this program needed more than anything was a program builder, a Tom Allen, a Mark Stoops, a Lance Leipold. And now we'll see what Josh Heupel can do. When I I hear people say, well, you know, it's kind of underwhelming. Well, what did you think was going to happen? considering the state of the program. You're not in a position right now to go lure away a top top flight leader of a program at a prominent Power Five job to leave his job for Tennessee because it's not a better job. And there's too many unknown variables as it relates to the recruiting violations and the sanctions that may or may not come down the pike. So that scares people off uh, right off the bat. I think so much of this is going to have to do with, with the recruiting side of it, there's there's no question about that. To your point at UCF, under Josh Heupel, this team turned into an abysmal unit on defense, and that cannot happen in the SEC if you hope to have a chance of being successful. So time will tell, but the one thing I will say about this as it relates to Tennessee, th- the fan support needs to be supportive. I know it's a rabid, passionate fan base, but understand where you are right now. <coughs> understand that there is no magic wand to be waved. This might be a five to seven year process. You might have to swallow that pill if you want to get back to where you think you belong.
0: Well, listen, Tom, I was going to ask if you thought those sanctions, play, or potential sanctions, since there's just so much unknown, played a role in the hiring process. You answered that question. I think common sense will tell you. The yeah. the, the unexpected and the unknown certainly scares off uh, some of those high-profile candidates. Uh, they were not looking for a new head coach in Ann Arbor. Quite the contrary. There was a lot of speculation about Jim Harbaugh's future at Michigan. That has been put to rest. He is staying put for the foreseeable future. His new contract now through the 2025 season. That's an Extension. They finished the 2020 season at 2 and 4, the reason canceling their final three games because of COVID-19 concerns within the program. The issue for a lot of Michigan fans is this. Jim Harbaugh has struggled against good teams during his tenure. He is 2 and 12 against top 10 teams this is a time with the Wolverines and that includes and this is probably the big one, 0 and 5 against Ohio State who was ranked top 10 in all of their matchups. And guys, uh, let me just ask it this way. Is it time to sort of reframe our expectations about what the Michigan program is, Luke's, and will be?
1: Well, I think the administration in this extension actually reframed it for everybody, whether people like it or not. The reality of the situation is they can't beat Ohio State right now because they don't have good enough players. Uh, they have not been able to beat top 10 teams because for whatever reason, they have not performed well in big games. Where there's some magnitude around it, and so that leads you to believe that Michigan, on a great year, on a great year, is a probably nine to ten-win team. That's going to give you two to three losses each and every year. So, if you're a Michigan fan, if you're okay with that, then you have no problem with this extension. I think the biggest issue that Michigan has is that they can't get out of their own way. Greg, it's they're still living. Well, we're Michigan. Well, okay. Well, we're Michigan. Well, ten years ago. When high-profile recruiting prospects were six years old and they grew up following college football, who do they identify with? Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, uh, Georgia, Florida, whoever it may be, but it hasn't been Michigan. So they need to start taking a different approach because being Michigan isn't enough anymore.
2: You're right, and it does matter to us obviously, as people that grew up at the height of Michigan's dominance in the mid-late 90s, winning a championship, what they did under Lloyd Carr. I think the biggest thing for Jim Harbaugh, man, he is a quarterback. And the one thing he has not done a great job of is developing quarterback personnel. For what reason? I'm not 100% sure. They struggled this year. They struggled last year. He did have some success early in his tenure, but it was with a couple transfer guys, and Wilton Spate was a one-year wonder before kind of Degressing under Jim Harbaugh's leadership. If he's going to take the program to the next level, yeah, maybe pound for pound from 1 to 85 as far as their scholarships are concerned, they can't compete with Ohio State. But what they can do is they can find a difference maker at quarterback that can help alleviate that talent gap on Ohio State's roster from Michigan's roster. So find a quarterback, please, for the life <laughs> of a college football fan that has been supporting and hoping for Michigan to be back Find us a quarterback and give us a fighting chance when they head into the Big Ten East race this this fall.
0: From your mouth to Michigan's ears, find a quarterback. (laughs) Uh, Listen, Alabama will be looking to find a quarterback as well as theirs moves on, obviously, to play at the next level. And that has put Nick Saban, as you might imagine, on the recruiting trail. Uh, You don't want to miss this.
1: I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you if you couldn't play him.
0: Up Sunday, Super Bowl 55 from Tampa. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs looking for their second straight against Tom Brady and the Bucks. Brady appearing in his 10th Super Bowl, looking for his 7th win. Super Bowl 55 Sunday on ESPN Deportes and CBS Sports. How about this? Teddy Bruski won a few of those Super Bowls as well, and he's headed back to Arizona. The school announced Monday he'll serve as a senior advisor to the new head coach. His duties will include serving on the executive football management team he will also assist with alumni relations, fundraising, and student athlete development off the field. Nick Saban added his seventh national championship to an already impressive legacy last month. And with National Signing Day coming up tomorrow, he is back on the recruiting trail. Now, recently, an unidentified recruit recorded part of Saban's pitch, and that clip has now gone viral. Listen up.
1: Everybody's going to tell you in recruiting. You know, don't go to Alabama. You can play at our school before you can play there. They got all these good players there. Uh, you won't be able to play. You can play at our place earlier. I think that's the worst stuff that people can tell you. Right, first of all, when they tell you that, they're first of all insulting right, you.
0: because I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you if you couldn't play here. All right. Number two, when they say you can play at our place before you can play at Alabama, they're just telling you how was better than them. <laughs> Well, there you go. Some of Saban's former players not happy the conversation was recorded. Cam Robinson tweeted, why is this even being recorded? Good question. Jared Maiden replied with new recruiting age weird, trying to get some clout. Uh, listen, it, I, first of all, I'm almost shocked it hasn't happened before, if you really think about it, Greg. But uh, big deal, not a big deal that, that it was recorded in the first place?
2: It's just the era of COVID, right? Since when have we ever had face-to-face recruiting meetings via Zoom? or anything along the lines of that, too. So it is a little unusual, and I think that it would be a little awkward, and Sable would probably stop down if they were in his office, the recruit pulled out a camera and recorded everything they said in a face-to-face conversation. So it's a little different, but I thought it was pretty neat to actually hear the pitch. And I thought he made some pretty compelling arguments, obviously, especially like the one he just said. Basically, what the school is telling you is you're, you're not good enough to play here, and they're not as good as Alabama. And that's genius. I would never... Have th- and have You know that wasn't thought about he was planned over the course of months I'm sure he's used that one a couple times Luke that's for sure hey, Greg the best part about it is if you watch it in its entirety and you're right that was the greatest
1: line in the whole thing but there's actually zero sales pitch in this everything else that he says in this is a factual statement by the numbers of exactly where their program stands in comparison to the competitors so when you have that type of equity in your program what are you having to sell? You know, I always hear people all the time talk about exactly what he's saying. Well, why would you go to Alabama? Listen, he creates an environment of competition. He doesn't care if you're a freshman or a senior. The best player is going to play if you earn it, if you work, and you prove that you can be trusted. You're going to play. That's a bunch of hooey. But the fact that he got that in, Greg, <laughs> uh, about essentially those teams admitting that Alabama's better than they are, priceless.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, listen. Didn't your did your mama always tell you it's not bragging if it's true? I mean, to your point, right. Luke, every single thing he said was true. I mean, look look at the program. Uh, I mean, what 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 more can you say? I've always said. I mean, I don't I don't even know why he bothers to say anything. Just sort of walk in and sit down and say I'm Nick Saban in Alabama. It seems like to me, case is closed. <laughs> Although another factual statement, Greg McElroy, you got to work on your Nick Saban impression. I know it was spur of the moment, but we probably need to tweak that. Uh, just a little bit. Oh, it's a, it's uh, a lot better. I, again, it's a lot
2: better when I live up to. it. That was not a great <laughs> one for me. I, I can do it a lot better than that. <laughs> Relative to, Wait, yeah. Wait, did you get the, the hands?
0: You got to get the hands. You uh, got to get the hands. Listen, any, any issue with the – and I agree, too, by the way, uh, Greg. I, I love – I mean, personally, I, I love seeing sort of a peek behind the curtain, although I'd be I'd be highly irritated if I were him that somebody recorded that. But it's interesting. <laughs> uh, anything else – you played for Saban, but I don't think you're not necessarily recruited by Nick. So uh, anything surprise you or anything you think he also adds to the non-pitch or pitch, whatever we're calling it, the message, if you will?
2: <laughs> That's what's funny, though, is like everyone tries to paint him out – Oh, he's this bad guy. He doesn't have a person. No, Nick just tells you how it is. And I, for one, as a player, I love that. I love the tough love. I love the honesty. In some ways, it was brutal honesty, but that's what I needed. And it was a perfect place for me to go to school. It's not for everybody, but I think that's one fascinating aspect is that he told it exactly as the recruit's going to get it if he does choose Alabama in the coming months.
0: Well, again, can you imagine sitting in his office just pulling out your phone? Coach, if it's all right, I'm going to record this. And then, whoops, so go ahead. Uh, We'll be back tomorrow for National Signing Day. Have a great night, everybody.